got a surprise in the sky this morning. We got dozens of text messages just after 6.30 from listeners saying that they saw a bright shooting star to the northeast. So we checked in with Scott Young from the Manitoba Museum and Planetarium to find out what the heck is going on. The clocks go back this weekend. It's the good time change. More sleep. That's good, yes? Well, turns out this time change also has some negative effects on many Canadians as it pertains to sad seasonal affective disorder. And we had a great time talking about the song that got overplayed in your world, the song that still drives you nuts because you heard it one too many times. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is off today, but she's back next week, and then Greg's off for a week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, November 4th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Hi, Greg. Hi, Brett. Could be worse. Calgary had a big dump of snow earlier this week. It looked like pure winter out there. So, you know, for as nice a month as they had in October... November sort of came in like a lion for them. I know March is the lion lamb month, but November was definitely uh, coming in like a lion out west. And of course, we were basking in 18, 19 degree temperatures. So we got a reprieve only for about five, six days here. Yeah. And uh, well, it, it looks like Edmonton got hit as well, other parts of Alberta. So that actually left a smile on my face because we had a friend who moved to uh, Edmonton and you know, he was bragging about the weather out there. Yeah. So we've had <laughs> listeners brag to us about the weather in Calgary. So, ha yeah. Well, Well, Calgary always gets it first, don't they? They're typically among the first to get it and the first last. First and the last. Yeah, it's an enigma, the weather out in Calgary in particular. Alberta's strange overall, but I, I, I only lived in Calgary in a couple different times. And the first time I moved there in 1991, I think the first time we saw snow was... Like September 13th or 14th. <laughs> and they were cleaning the snow. It wasn't a ton, but they were cleaning the snow with street cleaners. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just I couldn't use a snow plow. So they threw the street cleaners out. I thought, that's a novel approach. Never saw it again. And then um, in, I want to say, December 23rd of 99, it was 24 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was getting ready to go to Mexico for Christmas. And I'm walking around in shorts, getting ready to go on my trip. I'm like, why am I going anywhere? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I remember, yeah, because I was the, when I went to Florida, when we went to our Disney World trip when I was in grade seven. So that would have, I don't remember what year it was, but uh, the day we left, it was like blowing snow. It was minus 30, at least minus 30. And the wind chill was, like 2,400? You remember when that used to be that <laughs> in that old scale? Yes. It was basically as miserable as miserable could be in Winnipeg. Right. And so we picked the right time to get out, although we left our park as, like, my, our, my uncle Jack dropped us <laughs> off at the airport, so we, we got out of the car, and we're taking our parkas off, so we're standing outside freezing, trying to grab our bags and just get into the race into the airport. And then it was smooth sailing the rest of the way. So we were wearing shorts in Florida. People, it was 18 degrees. <laughs> so, of course, going from minus 30 with a 2,400 wind chill to um, 18 degrees, we're in T-shirts and shorts, and people are wearing sweaters and pants, and they're asking us, aren't you cold? And then we say, uh, tell them where we're from. And they're like, oh, 
You left this morning. That's a long drive, hey? I'm like, yeah, we we drove into Florida <laughs> in six hours. At the Tampa Bay Lightning game, I don't know if they still do this. I know back in the day they used to put the temperature of the city of the team that the Lightning were playing, they would mm. put that up on the scoreboard somewhere in their arena just to sort of taunt and make fun of their opposition. And so that it was always a source of of hilarity when the Jets <laughs> were playing the, the Lightning in, in December, January, or February. So, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the jokes come pretty quick, pretty easy. But that's low-hanging fruit. Come on, do better, Florida. <laughs> well, speaking of hockey... Winnipeg Jets had a good night. Not bad at all. Uh, went to overtime again. Third straight game for the Jets going into overtime. They've won two of three of those games. They now sit 6-3-1 uh, and one on the season. Two points out of first place. Dallas won again last night. Chicago comes in tomorrow afternoon. And the, and the Blackhawks are just behind the Jets in the standings. So a uh, big game tomorrow afternoon uh, between the Jets and Chicago. And I think the Jets, we've been hearing from the coaching staff and from Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, we haven't been very good at all in our first nine games. Well, game 10 was, was, was pretty good. They were solid defensively for the most part. Connor Hellebuck was good again. And Kyle Connor got off the schneid, got, a, got his first uh, non-empty net goal of the season, scored a second goal in overtime to win it for the Jets. So pretty exciting game last night. So we've got lots this morning on the Jets at 7.20. We have the best of bonus. We're going to hear from the coach. And then at 7.55, we have John Shannon's Friday Jets commentary. And then just after 8.10, you will hear the sounds of the game. Also, lots of stuff to give away today. We've got Shania Twain tickets to give away. May 14th, Canada Life Centre, the Queen of Me Tour. We'll tell you at 6.45 how you can win those tickets. We've got offspring tickets to give away. We'll do that just after the best of bonus. That's for November 18th, Canada Life Centre. And we have tickets to give away for a show that's happening tonight. Who is playing at Club Region Event Centre, Greg? I believe that would be Tuke, all-star Canadian rock band. They do the best covers of your favourite Canadian music. Jeff Forte, you're going to the show tonight. I'm going to the show tonight. And I cannot wait. I just hope that I don't fall asleep sitting in the seat I'll wake you up. Trust okay, me. Keep me. I don't. I don't I'm think there's pumped. any chance of that. Let's do this. Okay. Oh, the last time they were here, didn't they play the Oak? Or uh, uh, sorry, Canadians Transcona. They uh, that was two shows ago. Okay. Yeah. Last time they played at Club Region Event Center, Forche and I went together, but the mask mandate was still heavily, heavily in place, mm. and so you could have a sip of your drink. And you daren't leave your mask off your face for more than about three seconds because somebody was coming over and say, uh, by the way, you got to lift your mask up oh, wow. after you took a sip to the drink. Forche and I went to that show together. We had a great time, but it might be just a little bit better, better of a time tonight, not having to worry about that. Right now, so many are struggling to afford even the basics, and now... New research shows Canada's three biggest supermarkets made more money this year... Then in the last five, Brett. As Global's Nithu Garcha reports, critics say supermarkets are profiteering, taking advantage of consumers at a time when food prices are rising at the fastest rate in 40 years. Customers at this independent grocer in BC are searching for deals on produce. There's lots of small independent green grocers especially. You can get really good produce at, at a much fairer price. 
While food prices are rising at the fastest rate in more than four decades, major grocery chains are being accused of price gouging and so-called greedflation. New research suggests the country's top three grocers saw higher profits this year compared to their average performances over the last five years, and Loblaws is outperforming its best gross profit over that same period by $180 million. Over the last six months, Loblaws has generated a million dollars per day more than their record year, which is, which is quite a bit. And so it begs the question, whether or not these profits are coming from food sales or sales from other departments. This Canadian researcher says a key issue is a lack of transparency, highlighting a need for companies to make their financial results more accessible. In the Canadian territories, it's a different picture. One of the few grocery retailers there, Northwest Co., and the biggest beneficiary of the federal Northern Food Program, saw a reduction in sales, but an increase in profits in the past year. In 2020, it saw an 82% rise in profits. The government should probably be stepping in and taking some measures. Some places, it seems like it's, yeah, the profit margin is quite high. Um, but if it were regulated, you know, that would make a big difference. The rising cost of food has prompted the Competition Bureau of Canada to study the industry as grocers defend their profits, saying margins haven't changed. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Well, margins haven't changed, but if the value of the products you're selling are increasing exponentially, then the profit, the amount of profit that you're making is going to be higher regardless. So if you're selling a higher, higher dollar value of something and your profit margin percentage remains the same, then the, the amount of money overall, the actual profit is going to go up. But we're seeing this with oil companies as well. They're having record profits right now. And I don't know about you, Brett, but I speak to people who own businesses and when their costs go up, they struggle with the idea of raising their prices because they don't want to turn away customers. So they try and walk a line between raising prices and keeping them where they are in order to maintain business and cash flow. But when it comes with these or comes to these necessities, there doesn't seem to be any concern about that whatsoever. The price is the price. We're going to charge you the price and whatever happens, happens. And maybe it's time for for closer closer controls. I hate that word when it comes to entrepreneurship and business, but maybe there needs to be more of a justification of how you're setting your prices when it comes to things like food and oil and gas. We see it for natural gas in this province, Public Utilities Board. We see it with our electricity rates. We see it with MPI. But when it comes to food and oil, these companies can do really whatever they want. I was at the grocery store yesterday. I just had to run over. I needed uh, some Kleenex. Some I just get the, the whatever the house brand. It was a Safeway, so the Compliments brand facial tissue. And um, because I walk to the grocery store, I usually don't buy en masse. Uh, I'll, I'll go grab one or two boxes. Usually it's like the, the, the smaller ones, like 126 sheets in the box. It's just the regular two-ply. And it wasn't that long ago. I want to say like within the last year, those, those boxes used to be $1.29. And then they went up to $1.99. Yesterday, they were $2.69 for a single box. And I thought, what? Like, when did that happen? And um, so I ended up buying a six-pack for $9.99. And I thought that 
It's almost three dollars a box individually. Mm-hmm. So if I were to buy six, that's eighteen dollars, or I can get six for ten. I just uh, so that that threw me off. But even just those simple little things. And for somebody like me who's got bad out, al- like this has been a terrible year for me for allergies. I like I I ripped through one of those boxes in one day a couple of weeks ago because my allergies were out of control. So that's a, a need for me, and for the to see the cost going up like that is nuts. And we had uh, one of our listeners was texting us the, about one of their friends who has you know they're on a really tight fixed income and and they can't even afford something like cucumbers now. Trying to eat healthy, and cucumbers are now out of reach. Eating healthy has always been a challenge because of the cost of produce, and and fresh food is you know is always expensive, but it's even more so right now. And lo- and toilet paper as well. We are we don't hoard it, but we always buy it when it's on sale. Yeah, I haven't bought it on you know a decent sale in weeks and weeks. It's bought a- some the other day and. On sale was like fifteen dollars for uh, you know a, a twenty four pack. Oh boy! Yesterday we talked about Rolling Stone releasing its five hundred greatest albums list, and then as a side shoot, Loren said this: the song then that drove you nuts that your roommate or friend or sibling came home with and then played over and over and over again in their room. Ooh. That's a good one because I I, I'm ten, I tend to be that guy who yeah. will listen to a song on repeat at, for weeks at a time. Oh, I can't listen to No Doubt like that. I had a roommate at university where I was like, Ingrid, for the love of all things holy, like find something else to play. <laughs> okay. Don't speak and don't play that song ever again was what I was saying to her. Don't speak, no. So let's throw in an extra qualifier here. A song that has been overplayed for you in any context, really. Maybe it was your workplace or your roommate or your sibling. Or maybe it was a nightclub you used to go to or a store you frequented. Or maybe you just had bad luck where every time you turn on the radio, it is the same song. So let's go around the horn here. Jeff Braun, let's start. Oh, hang on a second, Mackling. Are you? Somebody's adding something into our script here, and it's... <laughs> It's throwing me off. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I wonder if it's my computer that's doing this. Yeah, okay. Um, Jeff Braun, let's start with you. Okay, uh, I've got one that I think everybody knows. You can hit it, Jeff. It's a good song, and I, I have this cassette. I've owned the cassette for over 30 years, but after about 10 years, I just got so sick of this song, I, I put it on a, a moratorium on it Smells Like Teen Spirit for about 20 years, and it's only in the last year or so where I've actually been able to listen to that song again. It would come on, and it was an immediate uh, turn off the volume, change the channel, whatever it was. I, I couldn't take it anymore because they just played it too much. Yeah, and I whenever I I feel bad because I know it was such a landmark song, landmark album. It was in the top ten of Rolling Stone's 500 greatest. But I'm the same. As soon as I hear that first, it's gone. Like I'm I'm out of there. Sorry. Yeah, I'll hear. I'll listen to Dave sort of hammer out the first uh, several beats there, and then then I'm out. I'm yeah. done. Um, <laughs> I don't know where this. Sorry, I'm, I I hear a mystery sound myself. So there, the number eight keeps getting added into oh. our shared script. So somebody, is, one of our keyboards, is frozen on the number eight. Uh, for, 
<laughs> I don't know who it is, but it's, it's it is it. not me. Okay. It is not me. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh yeah. Who is it? <laughs> Where's that going? Where's that happening? I don't know where it's happening, but one of our keyboards is frozen. We we all have access to the same script from our varying computers and locations, and uh, one of our keyboards is stuck on the number eight, and it's funny. Um, Forte, what about you? Yeah, good one. Good call. Every bar, every social you go to, house party, someone's yelling, don't stop believing. And then, you know, you go, the worst when you go to a karaoke bar and you have to hear somebody belt these lyrics out and they just can't sing. Yeah. I hear it so much. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. No, that's a good one. There was like a, a yeah, it was like in, uh, I think it was like, it was in the finale of The Sopranos and then it was like on Family Guy within like a week and then it just went insane. Yeah. Well, no, and of like, course they sing it at the Detroit Red Wings games too. That's their kind of yeah. sing along. That's their sweet Caroline. Has that always been that way? or is For it a long soon? time. Okay. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't go to a Detroit's game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cam Poitras, what about you? Well, uh, Forche, uh, you're, you're going to know this one. I got my my pick there in production. This well, this song came out uh, as we were, gra- uh, you know, moving on from grade six to grade seven, and I can't think about the, you know, the the the, the May and June as this song was just insane. It was everywhere, and I play they play it play it there for shake you. Shake that thing, miss. Can I can I shake oh, that yeah. thing, miss? Can I better shake that there you go. thing? Yeah, Donna Donna, Jordy and Rebecca. Get busy. Yeah, Some Sean Paul. Yeah, Sean John, Sean Paul, Sean John. Who the heck knows? Um, Sean Paul. Um, but like, it's this song was like I ha- I go right back to like this the summer I graduate. Uh, you know, really graduate, but like I was in grade six. Every like preteen dance, every single like get together with friends. This song was on nonstop. To it was like. Uh, 2003 or whatever it was and uh, yeah I got sick of it real quick and I haven't heard it in years and so there you go is but this I, song I, called I, uh, Shake That Thing I think it's called Get Busy no it's like, oh it's called Get, yeah, Busy. get okay, Busy I'm, but I, I'm looking up the lyrics I thought so I was it was, like this doesn't I, make any sense <laughs> I thought it was Get Busy too I were like uh, or Shake That Thing that's what I thought it was but uh, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Get Busy yeah it is Sean Get Paul. Busy okay yeah, you're yeah. right you you are right because I looked it up today but yeah no I, I, find, I have actually fond memories of that that took me right back to the Tijuana Yacht Club <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I have sort of memories of that place too. Sort of, <laughs> sort of memories. Greg, do you? Shall I just press play, or would you like no, to? No, I got a little bit of a preface here. Um, JB, um, my mom uh, loved Bruce Springsteen, I think more than you did. And the morning after the Dancing in the Dark video with Courtney Cox debuted on Friday Night Videos, yep. she sat and watched that video all day long she rewound it and rewound it i think i had a football practice i left her she was sitting on the couch when i came back she was still there watching it she never met a repeat button that she didn't like on any device but um that didn't prevent her she didn't only do it at home she did it in public as well So my mom's been and was obsessed with Cher forever, since I was a little kid until she passed away. She um, angered the operators of a bar in St. Boniface to the point that they actually pulled this song out of their jukebox 
And there was a sign hanging above the jukebox that says the Shoop Shoop song is not allowed in this premise any longer. Oh my God. <laughs> she would go in, dump her quarters in, and just program that song over and over and over again. And I think it was kind of a heavy-duty bar, too. It might have been like the Marion or one of those biker bars. Like, Mom, if you're going to those bars, you want to make friends. You don't want to make enemies. Oh, that is gold. That's amazing. The Shoop Shoop song. <laughs> I wonder if it's still not allowed. Important reminder, it's a time change weekend. It's the good one. Loren yesterday said, and I quote, I am going to sleep the heck out of that extra hour. So yes, of course, we can have some fun with that topic, enjoy the extra sleep. But something important has been brought to our attention. Yeah, that's right. According to experts, for many Canadians, this time change could lead to an increase in depression, also known as SAD or Seasonal Affective Disorder. This information came to us from Toronto Wellness Counseling, and Amy Deacon is the founder. Amy joins us now. How are you this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you? We're do- I'm good. Yeah, we're doing okay. We're looking out at a very, very dark sky this morning at 7 o'clock in Winnipeg. It'll be a little bit different come Monday morning. But, of course, it's going to get dark earlier everywhere. That changes the clocks. How does this time change lead to this increased depression, Amy? Yeah, you know, what you said at the at the top of the segment was absolutely right. I think a lot of people look forward to the idea of getting an extra hour of sleep, which sounds like heaven. But the truth of it is that anytime we interfere with our body's natural circadian rhythm, it really does take a toll on our mental health. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, we know from so much research that when our bodies don't get the same exposure to sunlight, we're more prone to feeling down, to feeling those winter blues, depression, anxiety. And at the same time as we're getting less sunlight, in the winter months, our bodies actually produce more melatonin, which makes us sleepy, and less serotonin. And serotonin is our happy hormone. So if you put all of these things together, we're feeling more lethargic, less energized, and more like presenting the low mood, feeling a little bit more sad as opposed to uh, happy and joyful. Now, when we talk about exposure to sunlight, do you mean do we mean like direct exposure, as in I'm outside and I'm under the sun, or uh, if we like in our window, for example, in our studio, we can when it's sunny out, we can see the sunshine raining down on the buildings, but the sun is on, we can't see the sun. Uh, so, does access just to the sunlight help, or do we have to be in the sunshine? So being by a window is beneficial. It's much better than being in a wall that has no windows. But the best exposure is is in real life, being outside. And I know that's so hard for, you know, Canadian winters where we have to bundle up. But really, it's worth its weight in gold if we're able to get 20, 30 minutes, go for a fresh walk, get some fresh air, expose ourselves to that sunlight. But some people also really find light therapy beneficial. It's where you buy a lamp and you expose yourself to that to the rays and that naturally can also help produce a little bit more of that happy hormone serotonin to help boost our mood. So it's the serotonin some people will talk about vitamin D and the sunshine is there any correlation at all there Amy? So with the actual sunshine, absolutely. Yes, vitamin D does boost our mood and just help to regulate our bodies. It's overall really good for us. And some people will take extra supplements or take vitamin D supplements in the winter months, which again is just generally good for our health. But there isn't a ton of research to indicate that it's going to really make a dent in our mental health. 
Okay, so as far as that getting outside, getting that sunshine, is that uh, is that something that we should be doing when we're feeling down, or is it is it also something we could do as like a like a preemptive strike uh, before those uh, symptoms or those feelings set in? You know what? I'm kind of telling everybody, friends, family, clients, be proactive. You know, as a mental health practitioner, what we've noticed is that people are coming into this next season feeling a bit weathered. Uh, I think that, you know, the pandemic and the burnout that so many people have been experiencing has really taken a toll on people. And so I want us to be proactive, proactive in getting outside, proactive in exercising, you know, not necessarily to get a six pack of abs, but just because we know that exercise helps to boost our endorphins and be proactively social, make plans, connect with people. Again, those darker months are often associated with us cocooning, but when we are more prone to anxiety and depression, we want to make sure that we have real relationships in our life, real connections, because that can really buffer our resilience as well. Is there a natural inclination based on our our, uh, history to hibernate? At this time of the year, are we fighting against that natural instinct as as animals, Amy? Well, I, I mean, I don't know for the exact same as animals. You're absolutely right. Who wants to go out when it's like snowing and freezing cold? But the truth of it is that we know that specifically for mental health disorders, anxiety, depression, burnout, it gets a lot worse in winter. And so sometimes it it really is short-term discomfort, having to put on those boots, having to warm up the car, having to drive to a friend's house, but it's long-term gain. Again, we see so many people really suffer in the winter months because they just think that that's what they're meant to do, isolate and be really insular, but it, it really does end up costing them. Amy Deacon, the founder of Toronto Wellness Counseling. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. We appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, the timing is perfect because I was just saying to you, Mackling, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to hibernating a little bit, but I didn't mean I'm going to lock myself into my apartment for six months. I just, you know, I had the idea of having a weekend to myself in the immediate short term. Sounds great. But yeah, like we have such nice sunny winters here and it, yeah, it, it sucks when it's cold. But when you when I'm out there on that river trail, on the, the skating trail or the walking trail for me, um, getting that sunshine, even if it's, if it's minus 30, I feel great. Half the challenge is just getting out of the house. Yeah. It's just getting dressed and getting motivated to get out of the house. And then, of course, pandemic, I think, shrinked our desire to do a lot of things, to do those interactive sort of get togethers because either we were prohibited from them or we got used to having that time to ourselves. And so, yeah, do some self-checks with yourself. Like, are you feeling that way, like where you're looking forward to not having to deal with people? You might want to talk to somebody, a professional about that and 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 try and overcome it. Because I think uh, Amy's uh, advice is clearly as an expert is extraordinary. Jeff Braun is your co-host of The Couch Potatoes. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. All right. So we got a couple of notable New movies out this weekend at home, and this first one comes with a bit of a catch. So let's start with, it's a movie that looks like a rather interesting-looking biopic that debuts this weekend. It's called Weird. It's about Weird Al Yankovic. I'm tired of people thinking I'm some kind of joke. Your dad and I agreed it would be best if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. My whole life. All I wanted. I'm afraid we found your son at a polka party. Just 
make up new words to a song that already exists. Oh. Well, you should do that then. So Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al in this movie that, in true Weird Al style, lampoons and parodies the traditional biopic, complete with stuff that never happened. Like Mackling in this movie, they show Weird Al in this torrid relationship with Madonna, played by Evan Rachel Wood. Never happened. So it's a parody of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. catching on to this now. Yeah. That is pure weird now. Outstanding. It's getting great reviews. It looks like fun. And I'll just play one more clip here because this is good stuff. Oh, my little hungry one. Hungry one. Open up a package of my banana. Dude, I've got chills. So Weird Al, by the way, is in the movie. He plays a record exec, but he also is the singing voice. So that was his actual voice um, in the movie. Now, the weird thing about this movie, it's on the Roku channel. So I know Roku's been around forever. I'm not super, I've never used it, but it's just, it's another streaming service where you can like buy a Roku device and it gives you access to I mean you still got to pay for Netflix and all the other things but it's a it's like a way to turn your TV into a smart TV do you have a Roku Mackling yeah I have a Roku uh, it was given to me and that's exactly it's like if you have ever had an Apple TV box yeah it does exactly the same thing it's a it's a consolidator for all your apps that are downloadable onto the box but they have their own Service now is that what uh, is that what you're telling me? They've got the Roku channel, and yesterday Jeff and I recorded the Couch Potatoes, and everything I read leading up to said recording was that you don't need a Roku to watch this thing. That you can act, you can get Roku as an app through your smart TV, or you can use their mobile app. So I get home, and I go go to look for this thing on my Samsung TV. Can't find it. Like oh no. Uh, I tried on the app, won't let me use it without a Roku device. So it looks like I'm SOL on this one. If your smart TV comes built in with Roku, uh, you might be able to use it. Jeff, did you happen to check if you, you've got a, what is it, a Fire Stick? An Amazon Fire Stick, which is the same sort of device as the Roku device or the the Apple TV device. And no, I, I looked for it and there's no Roku app available for the Amazon Fire Stick that I could find. Yeah, so it's free. And that's their, their big thing. It's free if on the Roku channel. It. But for the 5% of the population that can uh, somehow get a hold of it. Yeah, so they, I guess they're hoping this will cause maybe people to go out and buy a like, Roku device. It's just what I need in my life, more digital noise. So I'm uh, I'm really irked about this. I really wanted to see this movie, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. To The other frustrating thing about this sort of thing is that with some of these streaming services, the movie that is theirs will eventually be available to rent anywhere, right? Like you could rent it on a variety of different services down the road. But sometimes when the movie is very proprietary to whatever service it is, in this case, Roku, it might only ever be available on Roku and the rest of us may never even have a chance to look at it somehow. Yeah. And well, like our next movie is probably only ever going to be on Netflix, right? You bet. And it's, it's uh, the game is afoot. It's a sequel to a movie that debuted in 2020. It's Enola Holmes 2. My name is Enola Holmes. I started a detective agency. Oh, hello. You're a girl. Tell me. Yes. Might your brother be free? My brother 
Well, I have not a single case. Sherlock's latest seems to be vexing him. Millie Bobby Brown uh, from Stranger Things plays the sister of Sherlock Holmes, Enola Holmes. Sherlock, by the way, played by Henry Cavill, and they have to team up to crack a case. They're both investigating. The first one, like we said, came out two years ago. I watched that. I thought it was really fun. I don't recall a lot of the specifics from it, but I did give it a four couch cushions out of five when we reviewed it on the show two years ago. And this one's also getting good reviews, and it's just good family fun. So I'm looking forward to watching Enola Holmes 2 this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they both look great. I, I just I was stunned when I looked at the the release date for that first one because I've had Enola Holmes on my list, my Netflix list, and I just felt like oh, that came out what a few months ago, and then I saw September twenty twenty, and I thought, woo, pandemic's really done a number on my concept of time, Mackling. <laughs> You're probably not alone on this. This isn't normally something that I would necessarily get into, but Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill sounds like a terrific cast. They pull it off, yeah. Run. Oh yeah, and and it looks great too. There, the it's uh, set in sort of olden times. I think I don't think it's modern times. And uh, but I just remember how bright and colorful and every how beautiful the whole uh, production looks. So right it's on a quality quality show. All right, Jeff Braun, co-host of the Couch Potatoes. Thank you very much, sir. So our podcast yeah. is. Now available, although I am going to have to go back and re-record some stuff in that show to uh, reflect the Roku nonsense. Um, But you can get the podcast now at cjob.com or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Or you can actually listen to the show on 680 CJOB, Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We're asking you about the songs that were overplayed for you for a chance to win Shania Twain tickets. Kyla says, 1994-95, bus full of teenage girls, hockey players traveling to Thompson for the Manitoba Games. The ride was extra long because we would stop and pick up kids for other sports in the Eastman area, and we were the first to be picked up, so we took the back of the bus. Roxette, It Must Have Been Love, on repeat for 13-plus hours. I cannot imagine the trauma the bus drivers and the teenage boys' cross-country skiing team must still experience due to that trip. (laughs) It wasn't 13 hours, but it was two hours plus from St. James to Kenora. My friend Tracy's... Uh, radio was broken, and all she had was the cassette single of Everything I Do, I Do It For You, over and over and over again. Oh, the Brian no. Adams song from Robin Hood, I think it was. Yeah. Over and over again, from St. James all the way to Kenora. Ugh. Ugh. And Jeez. it's like, really? Why like, not just so- listen to nothing? <sighs> that- Sometimes silence is worse than that. Oh, it's terrible. I don't mind. I, I, I've actually, I feel this is a weird thing. I used to always, always, always to immediately turn on the music when they get in my car. And now, more often than not, I just drive in silence. Do you whistle? No. Also, usually, usually it's like the drive out. Like if I'm just getting up and going, I like silence on the way back. I might turn on the music. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I start, sort of stop and wonder, like, is that weird? Uh, we got a text here from Kerry McKay, who says I was dating this guy, and he would he would play Roxanne, like, over and over again. Like, from the police. 
Yeah, I hear that's every time I hear that song, it makes me, it gives me shivers running down my back. He would just nonstop play it and make it worse because he could not sing the song. Who can? So, Only Sting can sing that song. And Eddie Murphy can sing that song. So I asked Carrie, is that why you dumped him? <laughs> and uh, she said, yes. He would hold on to like a hairbrush and pretend <laughs> it was his microphone and he would start singing. And then as soon as the song was done, he would start all over again. Oh my, read the room, buddy. Bes- read the room. Besides, oh, maybe I won't read this last part. Um, but uh, she says he killed her ears. So, Yeah. Text from listener Denny at 6.37 this morning, which asked, anyone else just see the biggest colorful falling star in the Northeast? Wow. Yeah, we uh, maybe it was a satellite, Kesha, getting that in there at the end there. Almost immediately, text from several dozen of you. Uh, this is a sample. I saw the shooting star. I was driving up Highway 3. Saw the shooting star. Me and my wife were in awe. I saw it super bright and clear from Selkirk. Um, I was driving to Dauphin, Highway 5, and saw the beautiful shooting star. It was as bright as a firework. And one of our uh, texters also said, I saw the shooting star too. I thought maybe a meteor because it looked like it burnt up in the atmosphere. So to find out what some of you may have seen this morning, we welcome Scott Young, planetarium astronomer at Manitoba Museum, to the start. Hey, Scott. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, sir, doing well. So have you heard it? What have you heard this morning? Yeah, I mean... uh Social media is lighting up and uh, phone calls and texts are starting to come in. Uh, Something really big fell out of the sky just uh, early this morning, just a few minutes before I got up and did my normal, you know, stick my head outside to see what's going on in the sky. So, of course, I missed it personally. But uh, it sounds like a really, really bright meteor, which we call a fireball or a bolide. And, uh, sorry, it's one of those those kind of once-in-a-lifetime, maybe twice-in-a-lifetime sightings. So if you saw it, good for you. Like, how big or bright are we talking here? Well, it sounds like it was, you know, probably um, not quite as bright as the moon, but it was bright enough to sort of cause um, shadows and, and, you know, be brighter than everything else in the sky. And some of the reports uh, are saying that it, that it fragmented and became, um, you know, broke up into a bunch of pieces. So how often would something this bright in the sky grace us with its presence in this part of the world you say once in a lifetime for those that have seen it how common would you even have an opportunity to see something like this well one of these happens somewhere in the world probably every day but of course most of the world doesn't have people on it Um, and and uh, so the odds of you know an individual seeing it are pretty low Um, but this this actually rains down from outer space pretty commonly and um, th- this one does sound like it was kind of a bigger version. Um, you know, they sort of range in size. Some of the, the, the typical falling star that you see, like a regular meteor, it's probably about the size of a grain of sand or maybe a, a small marble. Um, this one sounds like it was probably a bigger piece of material, maybe, uh, I don't know, a, a grapefruit or something like that. And it's not very big, but it's coming in at amazing speeds, tens of thousands of kilometers an hour. And so when it hits the the Earth's atmosphere, it's just this huge amount of energy that, that has to turn from speed into something else, and it turns into heat and light and basically just vaporizes. So you get this really beautiful effect. And um, we're actually in a time right now where this is a little bit more common. The last uh, couple of weeks or so, there's a, a very, very minor meteor shower. It only produces uh, one meteor per hour, so it's hardly a shower. But 
those it, it often produces these really big, bright fireballs. Okay, so we got to let you fly here, Scott. If people saw it, are you asking them to report it formally? Does that build a database and 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 help future uh, future prospects here? Yeah, it does. The International Meteor Organization is the place to report it, and it automatically puts it on a map and helps people track it. So that's really really important to report it if you saw it. This has to do with more of the people behind February's convoy protests who have testified before the Public Order Emergency Commission, further highlighting the disorganization and discord among the demonstration's leaders. Global's Abigail Beeman explains how cross-examination focused on one leader's tendency for conspiracy theories, how much money rolled in to support the convoy, and where the donations came from. When we see our government completely violating all the laws. I understand. And there's, where do we turn to? The Senate is our last hope. James Botter pushed back on the idea that his now infamous MOU aimed to overthrow the government, even though it lists the unelected Senate and Governor General as representing itself as the government of Canada as a whole in a push to get rid of mandates. And under oath, he accused the actual government of treason. We wanted to sit down with the Senate and say, here, you know, we, we, we believe our government is committing treason. Uh, enforce the laws, please. Cross-examination by lawyers highlighted Botter's tendency towards conspiracy. And you've shared on that Facebook hashtags for QAnon there. Yeah, so. And um, that 9-11 was planned by a shadowy uh, government body. Is that and hateful comments. As an alpha male, uh, trucker, oil patch, farm boy kind of guy, uh, and seeing old little Mr. Trudeau there in his boxing shorts, with his juice box, water bottle sort of things. Yeah, we call him Justine. The commission also heard about infighting and discord between various convoy leaders. B.J. Dichter said he dismissed Botter and the MOU. It was a joke. And didn't mince words about Jeremy McKenzie, who testifies Friday. He makes Mel Gibson look like a rabbi. Uh, he is really, really aggressive towards Jews. The commission also learned about how much money rolled in and from where. In total, donors raised $24 million to support the convoy, $10 million through GoFundMe, $1.2 million through Bitcoin, and almost $12.5 million through Give, Send, Go, with nearly half that amount donated by Americans. I felt that some people didn't see me. They, they just saw $10 million over my head. Tamara Leach launched the GoFundMe. Money first went to a TD account in her name. She learned funds were frozen when trying to pay for a charter flight to bring convoy lawyers and others, including her husband, to Ottawa. Did you consult with the finance committee before attempting to use the money for that purpose? I don't believe I did. Do you know why you... Most of the convoy money since returned to donors. Millions still held in escrow. Abigail Beeman, Global News. Ottawa. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to let people speak. Give them a platform. Let's hear what they have to say. And uh, then it's much easier to draw your own conclusions as to how things went down and whether or not these are the type of people that should have had an audience with Prime Minister Trudeau. That's right. I, I realize that not everybody who was involved in those freedom protests, those freedom convoy protests, were like the people we heard in that story. But 
after what I just heard, it just reinforces. And I made no, I made no bones about the fact that I thought the whole thing was disgusting, ridiculous, and uh, <laughs> the the anger that I felt earlier this year has just come rushing back. Brett, you mentioned something to me just in passing. We talk about all sorts of things in the morning. You mentioned that you cannot believe the the stress or the anger. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't remember which word you used, but with regard to hearing a horn from a semi, yeah, it evokes an emo- emotion, visceral emotion from you, yeah. even even right now. Yeah, hearing the hearing the the sound of the truck horns and those story. Hearing that story, or even just when I'm out for a walk or something, and then I hear a truck horn, and it's usually just a, like a because they're not supposed to honk their horns in the city limits, right? Uh, unless it's a safety issue, then sure. they can then they can let, let it rip. But uh, just hearing a truck horn, um, and even sometimes a train horn, it just draw it it brings it makes me feel anxious. It makes me gives me stress because uh, you know I live down the street from. Not too far from the Manitoba Legislative Building, and having to, and I know, and I know that there are going to be some who are like, "Oh, Brett's whining about the horns again. Oh, suck it up, Brettley." And uh, if you want to do that, I don't care. Uh, for those who who weren't near, but for the, some, it might have sounded like music, but for most of us, it was garbage. And having to hear that, it just it makes me angry. It makes me anxious, and it's just something that I hope we don't have to ever put up with again. These those people were. They thought that they represented all of Canada. They represented a very small pocket of Canadians. And uh, like you said, give them a platform to speak. And we the, the, the lunacy that we heard in that story. <laughs> I'm glad the government's doing this. It's uh, it's 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 really they had to by law by when they implemented that Emergencies Act, it automatically triggered these hearings. And so here we are. This morning, I told the the story about how uh, either at the Marion Hotel or one of the hotels in St. Boniface, my mom played the Shoop Shoop song by Cher so many times, they actually pulled the record out of the jukebox and put up a sign and said the Shoop Shoop song was banned. Uh, You know, in retrospect, mom, you're you're supposed to make friends at places uh, like that, not make enemies. So Paul had a reaction to that story about my mom. He says, I had to laugh at the St. B. jukebox story this morning. Years back, a group of us were at Gaffer's in the basement bar out in Lockport following a late season Blue Bomber game. A table of gals played Touch Me or some such song several times. When we got our paws on the jukebox, it was banana boat time. Midway through the third time hearing banana boat, the bartender sauntered over and unplugged the jukebox Fair ball, I suppose. I always think of Beetlejuice when I hear this song. Work all night and I drink a rum. <laughs> yeah, okay. Once, this is an amazing song. Great yeah. song. Iconic. Harry Belafonte. I get it. But Paul... That like more than once? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> once is enough. <laughs> so we're asking you about the, the overplayed songs of your life, whether it was something that you heard too often on the radio or a song that 
one somebody in your house just played on repeat. Like for it was inspired by Lorenz. She mentioned that her her roommate Ingrid, I believe was the name, played Don't Speak by No Doubt on repeat. Good and song. Yeah, great song. But if you hear any song uh that you don't necessarily love too many times, like uh here we had one from um Oh, shoot. I, I thought I had it uh, isolated here. Oh, here it is. This is a first-time texter who said, Nickelback's How You Remind Me seemed like it was played every 15 minutes on the radio every day for that entire year back when I was in my last year of high school. Got to the point where I wouldn't even turn the radio on. To this day, I can recite that song word for word without issue. I went on to ask this person, when you do recite it, do you add, is your voice deep and kind of a drawl? Because any, whenever anybody impersonates Chad... Chad, uh, oh, how does he pronounce Kruger. his name? Is it does he Kroger? Say, he says Kroger. It's Kroger, like the uh, like the. Uh, oh damn! Was it I thought it was Kruger. It is. He like, qualified because like everybody, yeah, Kruger, like Freddy Kruger. Yes. Okay. That's how it's supposed to be, but everybody's called him Kroger forever. Finally said, yeah, you know what? It's actually Kruger. Okay. Um, also, just as an aside, Adele. It's actually Adele. Yes, I heard that yesterday or the day before myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why not correct people? <laughs> you know, Brent, why wouldn't people correct <laughs> correct people? Oh, uh, yeah. I get called Brent all the time. But, um, yeah, and that great point because that song, that was one of those weird crossover radio-friendly songs that would get played on all for, almost every format. Right. Rock, uh, can, like light rock. Even the pop stations were all playing it. So, Or Hootie and the Blowfish. You remember Hootie and the... When they were huge, uh, there was one point where the same song, I think it was, what was their, they hold, hold My Hand was the first one. Every se- Time I Look at You? No, it was the second one. I can't remember what it was called. But uh, anyway, it was on Only four radio Only Want to Be With You. Might be, that might be the one, yeah. It was on four radio stations at the same time. Lynn says, The Bird Dance. When it came out, it became a popular song at weddings and socials. It would be played like three or four times. The band or DJ would play it to get the young and old onto the dance floor. My parents even got the record and would play it over and over again every no. weekend. Lynn, sir, sorry about that. Yuck. You know what? I thought it was annoying. And then when it came on, I kind of started doing the dance just automatically. Now I just want to go to a social and listen to you and me gone fishing in the dark. <laughs> And get a salami shoulder, too, while oh, you're at it? Oh, yes. I would love some salami, even if it's off my shoulder. I would when, still eat it. When is the first time you ever saw line dancing? And do you know how to line dance, Gabby? Yes. All us Saskatchewanians know how to line dance. We come out of the womb line dancing. <laughs> Tiny little legs. Terrible for mothers birthing us. I was at a bar in Edmonton back in, oh, it would have been 1990. And all of a sudden, these... These women are on the dance floor and they're all dancing the same. We figured, oh, it must be the Edmonton football team cheerleading squad. <laughs> <laughs> so we asked the bartenders, why are they here? Oh, that's that's called line dancing. Had never seen it before. I was in my 20s. Had been to the Palomino Club. I don't know. That is, that is surprising. Really? Growing up yeah. in Manitoba? What about you, Brett? First time I saw line dancing, it was at... Um uh, this thing called for the University of Manitoba it was like an orientation weekend called Boost. My mom signed me up for this, and I didn't ask for it. But she's like, "Okay, so this weekend you're going to the U of M, and they're gonna you're gonna be there the whole weekend." I'm like, "Oh, geez, okay." So um, they took us on a like a Saturday night boat cruise. 
I uh, can't remember if it was the paddle wheel or the River Rouge, but I was 17 at the time and I hadn't, you know, I still had never, I'd never been to a bar. I'd never gone to anything like that because where there was alcohol allowed. So I didn't even bring a change of clothes. Everyone else was, you know, they were all, they were all dressed up like they were going to the bar and then the Macarena came on and that's where I, I was, I, cause I was trying, you know, I was dancing and then they started doing the dance and I had to kind of learn it on the fly. It's not hard to learn, but I, I yeah, I was kind of freaked out. Like, what is happening here? Is, is this some sort of ritual? <laughs> am I, am, is this actually a cult? <laughs> so. Can you imagine a line dancing? Uh, sign me up. I want to be your leader if it's a line dancing cult. It kind of brings people together in solidarity. I, I haven't done it for a long time. The last time was probably at a social good two years ago. And it was kind of like a slow country song. Like it felt very like sensual line dancing. Oh. So I would describe it. Do you know? What song that would have been? I can't remember the the get the go and give up. I don't know. Just I'm gonna look so, it up. But it, it, is it the kind of thing where once the, if the song came on, you would know oh, yeah. it immediately? I would immediately bust out my line dancing moves. Do you do the boot scoot and boogie? The boot scoot and boogie, indeed. Yes. Yeah, I do. You know I partake. That, okay. <laughs> boot scoot and boogie. Uh, I'm you know what? For now. There's an overplayed song that I could do without. That stupid song, the boot scootin' boogie. <laughs> stupid. Just stay song. out of a country bar. Well, it's, it's just, it comes up at socials too. Like, oh yeah, socials. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, Manitoba socials are a factory of overplayed songs. There are a staple of songs that get played at, at almost every social. Old fashioned rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. And never, ever, ever need to hear that song again. Brown eyed girl stuck in the middle. I know brown eyed girl should really be Old time rock girl. and roll. Sorry, I think I said it wrong. <laughs> we know what we know what you're talking about, Gabby. On the subject of music, one of the things we were discussing this week is Rolling Stone released its 500 greatest albums. So, what's your favorite album? I was thinking about this. I would pick a childhood classic. I mean, there's a lot of newer albums that I enjoy and listen to regularly, but I think of Graceland, Paul Simon, just just so much nostalgia because we spent so much time in the car doing road trips or going places as kids, and that was a favorite of my dad's. And so, and it has really cool, that album has very cool vibes. You I still feel like a lot under, yeah, I do all the time. Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes is one of my favorite songs. Wow. Graceland. Yeah. When you said something from your childhood, I was not anticipating Paul Simon. Paul Simon is so just, I find his vocals very smooth. I would love to see him perform. Okay. Be epic, but no Garfunkel. <laughs> All right. Hey, Cam shaved his beard this week. He hates it. Cam Is Poitras. He? I he, saw him the other day. He hates it? Yeah, he's, he hasn't shaved his beard since 2014. Uh, but he say he shaved it for November because him and Jim are in a duel. And uh, so he just has to suck it up. And he said, this is going to ruin my marriage and all that stuff. But oh, no. uh, yeah, it's he tweeted out turn. a video of producer Sky the other day saying, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? Well, is that really? I'm just checking out how much facial hair both of you have. Is that a very disconcerting thing when suddenly you don't have it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not allowed to, to do that. Ever? Fully? No balls? I do it uh, once a year because I have to. And then I, I'm told immediately you need to grow something back on that ugly face of yours. Yeah, I never. I don't like Cam had a really big burly beard. I don't I can't do that. I just like to have a little bit. And uh, the first time I shaved clean in years was in October of 2019. What? Really? For a Halloween costume. I dressed up as as Clark Kent. So I shaved clean and uh, despised it, hated it. I had some people say, oh, you look great. You look younger. But I kind of like the salt and pepper thing that I, the slight salt and pepper thing that I have going with the beard. So I'm okay with that. And I just, uh, yeah, I felt, when you get, when you have it for so long, it feels like a, 
a shield. Like, a, like and when you take that off, you suddenly feel naked. I have like a single chisker, like just a one chin whisker. A what? A chisker. A chisker? <laughs> like a single, it's like, it never gets long because I can feel it. All of a sudden, one time I was having dinner with my sister. She's like, why do you keep touching your tin, chin? I said, I can feel this little chisker. Just like a tiny one single hair that's blonde because I'm so blonde. But I can feel that little hair and I know when it's coming in and I pluck it out. That single chin whisker is so persistent. One God, I hate it. One <laughs> facial hair. But did you, uh, very quickly here, did you ever have a, an appearance change that did not work out for you? Yeah, I've always had, I mean, I've kind of let my roots grow out fully to light brown, but I had blonde hair always. And once I dyed my hair black, yeah. and once you dye your hair black, you can't immediately go back to blonde without it all falling out. So I had black hair for about a year and people would call me Elvira. Like I'm so pasty, right? They called me Elvira. <laughs> it was not a good look. Well, I did not enjoy it. That, but, you did that on air, right? For uh, Halloween costume? No, in college I was like, I want to have dark hair. I'll look so... Goth. It was terrible. <laughs> Never again will that vampire. It wasn't like a sexy vampire. It was like, I'm going to murder you in your sleep, vampire. Gabrielle Marchand, she is the mistress of the dark, apparently. <laughs> we can add that to her list of titles. Host Channel of Global News <laughs> Thank goodness my chisker is blonde. Have a great Friday, everybody. It's Mackling and McGarry and Marchand. Loren's off today, but Gabby's still here from Global News Morning. We're asking you for a chance to win Shania Twain tickets about the songs that are overplayed in your world. Kathy says, my overplayed song is because of a friend of mine. She had a Halloween party when we were teenagers and we slept over at her house. She had warned us she had to sleep, had to sleep with the radio on, otherwise she couldn't sleep. And we all thought, okay, that's fine, figuring it would be on fairly quietly. Nope, and it wasn't even the radio. It was a cassette tape played on full blast volume with the song <laughs> My Pony by Genuine on repeat. This is this is un- almost unbelievable. All night long. <laughs> we got up and turned it down hoping we could try to tune it out and sleep if the volume wasn't the same as a jet plane passing overhead, but nope. She woke up, turned it right back up, went back to sleep. I, I can't hear that song anymore without wanting to put in earplugs. I want to meet her friend in adulthood. What is she playing now to get to sleep? Is she married? Many questions. Yeah, no kidding. Like full blast? My she, pony? Like are you falling asleep My standing pony. up at a nightclub? Yeah. Right with a music beat in the background? Like, yeah, th- there's a disorder there, a sleeping disorder there. With this song I'm playing, though, she might have really sexy dreams at least. Well, so. that's a good point. You wake uh, up and you chug a paralyzer. <laughs> Kathy, uh, forgive us for playing the song. We had to because your story is so darn good. And but you're not the winner. Alex is another runner-up. We already had one for Achy Breaky Heart, but this one uh, caught us both uh, like it was kind of a shot to the gut. In 1991, as a 15-year-old, I worked in rural Manitoba in a restaurant as a dishwasher. And the cook played Achy Breaky Heart and sang to it <laughs> continuously for two months. That was pure torture. I actually quit the job because I couldn't take it anymore. I was nervous that my parents would, <laughs> would be mad at me that I quit. When they asked why I quit, I told them, and the response was, yeah, I would have quit too. Two months. Good for you. That's a long time to put uh, up with that. You, you kind of stuck it out there, partner. Uh, hopefully we aren't bringing up some, uh, we aren't triggering you by playing the song again. But uh, Gary is our winner. And uh, this is a great story, Gabby. You're going to love this. Greg, start us off. Back in my 18 to 20-year-old phase, I was living with three guys that were 25. 
One of my roommates has a killer stereo, and I'm sure our neighbors hated the loud music coming from our house. One of my roommates listened to Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, incessantly, and I despised Meatloaf. <laughs> One day after work, I got off the bus at Pembina and Abbey. I could hear Paradise by the Dashboard Lights as I got off the bus. No. We lived halfway down the block. I sat at the bus stop for a few minutes, and when the song ended, he started it again. I had enough. I walked down the street, into the house, pulled the needle across the record, scratching the oh. entire record. I then took the record off the player, went to the door, and fired it outside <laughs> no. like a frisbee into the street. No. no more listening to that song to the delight of myself and most probably my neighbors. Gary, because... Uh, Smashy, smashy, Gary. Exactly. Brett <laughs> Smash win. supports your smash. Gary, angry. <laughs> you win the Shania Twain tickets. That's not passive aggressive. That's just pure aggression. But nobody got hurt. Just a meatloaf album. And really, at the end of the day, is that such a loss? Because, yeah, like imagine getting hit by a speeding record. Oh, that would hurt. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah you take an appendage off with that. I'm pretty sure. sure you could. So go, thanks for the story, Gary. You win the tickets for Shania Twain. We're going to say hello to KK, and we're going to start with a question for you, Kathy Kennedy. Oh, okay. Ask away. We've been talking about songs that are overplayed, like the song, the overplayed song in your life. And Chris had a really interesting story that dates back to the summer of 1980. Chris says, I drove back from Winnipeg and was listening to the radio. The vinyl record was stuck playing ACDC. It was stuck saying just Hell's Bells over and over <laughs> until I got back to Pine Falls. Apparently the DJ was locked out of the studio. Now Chris says, and Chris did say, I'm not certain, but I think it was KK. Was it you, KK? Were you locked out of the studio? Okay, A, never been locked out of the studio. B, how old do you think I am? (laughs) 1980? (laughs) Like, seriously, I missed 1980 the first time around. (laughs) I was still in junior high. Give me a break. (laughs) Well, I wasn't sure, because Chris did say it was for, uh, I think it was KK's first job, so I thought maybe you got started, like, I don't know what year or how old you were when you started. I know people who started working in radio when they were 15. Fair well, point. Well, hey, listen, okay. I did start when I was 17, uh, Brett. Uh, where? Where? I, CKX, I started, Brandon? No, CKLQ, Brandon. Oh, CKLQ. And, and I was doing, you know, the, the summer summer fair uh, tour, you know, where I'd do cut-ins from the 4-H shows and, <laughs> and, and you know, four-horse hitch shows and... Yeah, it was it was a treat, uh, and and delivered chicken dinners in the field. Uh, so yeah, I started when I was seventeen. Okay, two twenty five an was, hour. What was the minimum wage back well, then? Well, I think. <laughs> I think was, you trying? You were trying to get me to give out my age. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it was ten fifty. Oh yes, of course. But you're yes, absolutely right, KK. I didn't even think about the math. I left math behind in 1995, uh, or sorry, 1996, when I realized that math and calculus and physics and all that stuff, uh, my brain just sort of stopped working on, in that uh, avenue <laughs> when I graduated uh, you know from what? high school. So there you go. You're, you're not alone. Uh, I, I am of the, the same ilk, my friend. 